0: Spirituality is a wonderful journey and many people use their spirituality to avoid their intimacy and uh, not it's not wrong but intimacy is waiting for you to bring that light into the world so that you can find your mission and purpose.
1: Welcome to the Vital Veda Show. I'm your host Dylan Smith. I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner and a holistic health educator and I'm also a very grateful human being for you to join me today because today, well, I'm only interviewing the Most successful relationship author of all time by far, uh, Mr. Dr. John Gray. As many of you may have heard of him, probably heard of him, or you may recognize his book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, the highly influential top seller. It has sold over 15 million copies, plus all the copies on the black market, plus everyone sharing their books. It has been a very heavily, thoroughly read book. By many. USA Today listed his book as one of the top 10 most influential books of the last quarter century, and the hardcover was the number one best selling book of the 1990s. So, you know, his book's translated into 45 different languages, sold in more than 100 companies. We're going to get more into Dr. John Gray, but before we do, I want to remind everyone as well as for the newcomers that this show, this Vital Veda podcast, is exploring the laws of nature, exploring the Veda. That Veda is that unified field of pure consciousness, that unified field of the laws of nature. And from which yoga is derived from Ayurveda, the medical side of Veda, is derived from Stapachya Veda, Vedic architecture, architecture according to the laws of nature. Dhanurveda, the Veda of warfare and the science of warfare. Jyotish, Vedic astrology, there's so much and we speak about all these on this podcast, but including in this of course is the art of relating relationships and this is what Dr. John Gray is an absolute expert about Dr. John Gray is not only an expert in relationships he's written over 20 books and some of them his most recent one is Beyond Mars and Venus and this is you know, he's also an expert on sex and this is what this is about and he helps men and women better understand and respect their differences in both personal and professional relationships. His approach combines specific communication techniques with healthy nutritional choices that create the brain and body chemistry for lasting health, happiness, and romance. His books, blogs, and free online workshops at marsvenus.com provide practical insights to improve relationships at all stages of life and love. An advocate for health and optimal brain function, he also provides natural solutions for overcoming depression, anxiety, stress, and to support and Increase of energy, libido, hormonal balance, and better sleep. He's appeared on a bunch of popular shows like Oprah, Dr. Oz Show, Today, CBS, etc. Good Morning America. He's been profiled in Times, Forbes, USA Today. He also has played a very prestigious role in the spiritual realm and the spiritual uh, industry. He's been a personal assistant to His Holiness Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, one of the great, the great seer that spread meditation and the Vedas in the West. And we touch on about that. Now, before we go into it, I want to remind you that every episode has show notes associated with that. You can find those show notes when you go to thevitalveda.com.au, go to learn, click on podcasts, and you'll see each podcast, all the wonderful podcasts of all the experts in the fields of health, spirituality, relationships, consciousness, medicine, and... Yeah, you can see all the show notes. It has the resources, links to the resources, and sometimes elaborate more on the topics that we spoke about. In this episode, there is a lot of information. John is absolutely packed with knowledge and wisdom, so I suggest you listen to it at least twice. Um, there's a lot to take in. And through, I mean, embedded throughout this episode, uh, there's a common theme of the movement of energy and moving energy up and down the spine, throughout the different chakras, how relationships and sex are an essential way to serve the world and express our innate being. And uh, I wanna also mention at the end, after the show, I'm going to talk, add more onto the Ayurvedic view on how much sex to have and all these things that the Ayurvedic classical ancient teachings teach because we didn't get time to go into this, although many people requested this. So for next fortnight's episode, we're going to be exploring thyroid health, healing your thyroid with Ayurveda, with Dr. Marion Teltenbaum, who is a well-established author, and it was so wonderful to speak to her. So, to make sure you're in the loop, make sure you subscribe, yo, yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Um, subscribe, and that will make sure you're you're in the loop with the with the episodes, and you don't miss one because it's pumping at the moment. If you want to be further in the loop with more greater depth detail of articles and updates and discounts and all the special things that we offer sign up to my newsletter it's on the vitalvader.com.au uh vitalvader.com.au any page it's on the top right you can click subscribe i do not spam you i probably send newsletters about once every month or once every two months i really only send it to you if it's crucial so that i'm going to be sharing my upcoming online courses we've got one coming on nutrition and some other goodies coming up which has been very well received through the live courses we've been doing and these are very limited they're not happening a lot at all i get asked a lot about doing them and it's not happening so i just want to also say this podcast is for all gender identities and all relationships you'll hear john and i use certain language which refers to the female physiology or the male physiology or the feminine or the masculine aspects of consciousness whatever language or pronouns we use please interpret and adapt it to your own experience so this wisdom can serve you in the most supportive way I also want to mention that John's mic is not the clearest not the best quality there's some crackles but bear with us it's fantastic knowledge that you don't want to miss and if you enjoy what you're hearing if you're enjoying this podcast please support the show it will be much appreciated you can subscribe leave a review share it with a friend share it on Instagram story, whatever you like to do. Um, whoever, you know, share it with your lovers. I always share Dr. John Gray's episode with my with the women in my life and the men in my life. <laughs> so it's a wonderful thing to share with all those who you think is relevant for. Thanks so much and enjoy. Thank you so much John for joining me. I really appreciate it. I'm pretty excited. Um, I'd like to greet you with a Traditional greeting, which we like to say, Jay Gurdadev. I don't know if you still resonate with that. Oh, uh, of that course, Jay
0: Gurdadev. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, my my kind of what that means to me is that I'm honouring, you know, but I'm not the source of this knowledge, of this wisdom, of this, and and I honour those who give it to me. Would you like to add anything to what that means to you?
0: Uh, well. It was uh, nine years of my life was spent living with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, and so every time I saw him, I say Dev is a greeting <laughs> of respect and esteem.
1: Okay, so John, I'm going to just put out there a, a quite a, a, a hypothesis, which I've, which I'd like to, yeah, I'll see if I'm right. When I was re- um, booking this session with you, I noticed that all your session, first of all, that Tuesday looks like your day to record podcasts, right? Yes. Okay, and I also noticed that there wasn't a lunch break, so I just have a wild hypothesis that do you fast every Tuesday?
0: <laughs> uh, I only eat one meal a day around four o'clock in the afternoon.
1: ah, okay, and that's every day yeah, yeah. okay, oh, yeah, good, so do I, but it's for me, it's in the midday beautiful okay well john i've always I've always wanted you on my show, and it kind of I've always thought if I was to have you i'd I'd ask a lot about spirituality and your time with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi but really I, I think it's no need to really go into that because Luke's story on the Lifestyle Podcast did a really fantastic episode on that um, yeah if, if you guys should check it out it's, it's number episode 239 on the lifestyles and it's called Higher Powered Autobiography of a Sex and Love Yogi and that's just really does it all but I would like to go into a few more things and and one was Were you into all these relationships and sex before you saw the Maharishi or did it come after? And if it came after, how did you transition from that kind of, I guess, monk or brahmacharya kind of lifestyle towards a a highly successful relationship, coach?
0: Well, in my teenage years, I was very sexually active. I enjoyed it very, very much. I also got very high a lot. And there was always, uh, after Woodstock, there was a huge crash and the Beatles were talking about uh, going to see Maharishi and you can get high uh, without drugs. And I thought, well, wow, that's great. And I met him and was totally inspired for nine years of my life. I was a pure celibate. That means no release at all. Uh, uh, and not everybody realizes that's what a real monk is. You never, ever release the sexual energy. Uh, and a la no masturbation. And do you, uh, do you
1: ever desire it? Like? Do you, ever, does it, do you ever get uh, desires for that or feel you want to release it? there would be lots
0: of sexual energy at times, and I learned to channel it upwards into my higher energy centers. So I could spend, uh, you know, it went from three hours to six hours to 10 hours a day on average, sometimes 14, sometimes 17 hours of just involuntary shaking, uh, the body writhing. As you're sitting in lotus position, this shaking would happen, and... There was no end to my meditation until it ended itself. And usually the energy would flow from my base chakra to my crown uh, three times. And then it would stop. That was it. And uh, that it really infused this higher consciousness into me uh, where I was one with the universe and all that good stuff. I had lots of spiritual experiences. But my brother was bipolar. It didn't, meditation didn't help him. I couldn't really be so high and, and my enjoyment of meditation while my brother was suffering so i thought i'd fly out to california and become study psychology and and all the new seminars they were teaching for personal growth i took a few and thought i could do this much better and started teaching my own classes on sex because for about a year when i was i had to earn a living i became a computer programmer took a class worked at stanford um i had family connections there and So I went from leaving the Tia movement, having no job and being homeless, to getting a job, making enough money to support myself. And during that time, I was uh, having a lot of sex. And because I've been a monk for nine years, it kind of gave me permission to ask women what they like and what they want in sex and teach me about it. And I learned so much. I thought this was great information for me. I didn't know this as a teenager, so I thought, you know, hey... I should start teaching classes where people would get together and talk about their sexual experiences and what makes sex great for them. So that evolved into a message uh, that sex was really, from a spiritual perspective, an opportunity to share and express love. And since then, in studying the Taoist tradition of sex, they actually believe that, you know, you can get the chi energy from nature through meditation, but you can actually make more chi energy through sex. And it actually is making love. Uh, and you, know, you build up that energy, you go out into the world and you love people, you send the light out, it drains out of you. Uh, then you have to build it back up again. And you can build it up in meditation, but you can actually build it up even more uh, through making love. So making love became, it became the making love workshop. And it, in order to sustain a sexual attraction, it turns out that you need to have polarity. And that's where the whole Mars Venus ideas came in. Is that couples were losing their polarity. Uh, men, w- which you know, psychology was teaching men to be like women, uh, to become more yin energy, and instead of increasing their yang energy. The yang energy is the masculine energy. The yin energy is the feminine energy. And what's you know, the world was going into reversal even back then. It's now very very much into reversal where women have. Uh, for their system for their biology they have too much yang energy not enough yin energy and men have too much yin energy not enough yang energy so you know my work now over 25 years is gradually creating a system and understanding a context where we can come back into alignment without making ourselves wrong without making women wrong for being very masculine and that's a good thing as long as they can nurture their feminine side at the same time. And likewise, for men who become so soft and unmotivated and passive, and you know, so many men are addicted to pornography, uh, can't make a commitment, can't sustain attraction in relationships, that's all symptoms of not enough yang energy, too much yin energy. Uh, arguments uh, and relationships where men become very emotional. Uh, this is way, way out of bounds and keeps us from maintaining a polarity That can sustain attraction for great sex and that polarity is actually when you can maintain it you can go to the higher states of consciousness as well Um, the yin and the yang is a higher state of consciousness when it's balanced you get into the flow state where your genius your mission can be fulfilled you know we all have a we're needed in the world we all have our mission in this life and you don't really find that mission that, that internal knowing this is what i'm here to do until those heart those forces are in balance so making love helps us to get to that place so i teach relationship skills
1: beautiful so you mentioned you know yeah as the love making as a practice to enhance your i guess you know spirituality your your love which is really what we're all here to give and outlet of a love but what about like, you know, how how much is that is the subject or, or a lover that, you know, influence on that? Because, you know, we can, of course, make love to people who we don't really connect with deeply, or then we can make love to the people who we really connect with deeply. I mean, because there's a difference of making love to someone you love a lot and then just someone you're slightly attracted to.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can, uh, particularly men, but also women can, some women can do this, but a lot of men can. Uh, be with Someone you're attracted to you don't even know them, but there's a physical connection and you will feel love and uh, For many men. That's really good that they can know. Okay. That's what I want in my life But you have to learn how to sustain that with a person. Otherwise, it's flight. It's fleeting. It's an awareness It's kind of like when we used to do LSD. It's an awareness of higher states of consciousness. Okay. This is what exists now I've got to learn how to generate that within myself uh, as a man, you know you can um, uh, have sex with somebody. It, you can feel the the energy building up, and you will feel it feels so good. You you love you feel love. Uh, it's kind of like you know one of the things I don't eat is ice cream, but I love it. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. uh, so ice cream. When I eat ice cream, I feel love. Uh, you know when when you're getting what you want. Um, Particularly if that desire stimulates a lot of dopamine, uh, because it has so much sugar and fat in it, it will produce a lot of dopamine in the brain. Uh, I feel love, so it's a chemical, a drug-induced feeling of love. What we want is a reality-based inducement of love. And so what happens is, you know, a guy can uh, he can masturbate looking at online porn, and he'll feel, oh, I love this experience. It's a It's just very close to actually, if it was with a strange woman, I I love this experience and you feel like I love you. The problem with that is you don't, you don't even know them. Uh, What real love is, is this, is a penetrating awareness of who a person is and embracing them with caring as you would care for yourself. Uh, With uh, a knowing of where they're coming from is good and loving. Uh, and, and an understanding of the way they think and feel uh, as being able to relate to it uh, being able to honor someone in terms of their needs uh, in order to appreciate someone to accept someone's flaws imperfections to trust someone's always coming from trying to be a good person you know these are all forms of of love and uh you only get to realize that's real love is when you experience uh, a person's um, authentic self, so to speak, who they are on a daily basis, having to overcome your demands for perfection. But when somebody's a stranger, you have no history of disappointment, of frustration, of anger, of betrayal, of uncertainty. You know, all of that is it's it's literally fake. It's fake love. It's love. You feel love, but it's not sustainable. And so you keep searching. You know, I'm I'm, I remember the story of Don Juan. You know, there's a movie. I didn't read the story. I actually saw the movie, but he travels around and he has one woman after another after another. And uh, but he never finds love because he's always just into his own pleasure as opposed to uh, truly giving his heart to a woman. He can go from one to another and feel love and feel love. And the end of this story, it was a, a, a Fellini movie, is he's in bed with a, a mechanical doll because he's not really making love to a person who's loving back. But it's an addiction. You see, an addiction is when you uh, love something that doesn't really nourish you. So you can uh, you don't feel filled up. So you're empty. But your brain remembers, oh, that felt good. So you keep going back to it. And the more you're stimulated through addictive type behaviors, masturbation being one of them, uh, what happens is uh, you desensitize the dopamine receptors in the brain so that you depend upon this high dopamine stimulation to feel pleasure. Now, the, the, the counterforce to high dopamine is knowing somebody, uh, feeling safe with somebody, feeling loved by somebody. So you suddenly get in a relationship with someone who actually loves you and you can't get turned on to them. Uh, whereas you're in a relationship, a fantasy relationship, where you're not really getting anything from that person. They don't know you. They don't appreciate you. They don't care about you. They don't accept who you are as, as a, all the parts of who you are. Uh, you don't get that love back. So you just sort of pour yourself out, but nothing comes back. You feel empty. And so that emptiness, you crave the dopamine stimulation. Now, it's inevitable that in every relationship, you know, we used to call it the seven-year itch. Uh, Now it's the three-year itch, and sometimes it's the one-night (laughs) stand itch. You you know, you're all excited. It's all great. And then afterwards, there's nothing. Uh, You feel empty because you've just given your energy. It hasn't come back. So there's a a flow of energy where if you give of yourself to somebody, it needs to come back. And if it's not coming back, you feel empty. You feel like I invested in something and and, uh, I lost all my money. Uh, although that's not you're not thinking gee I gave of myself it's just your body actually lost that energy when somebody sees you loves you knows you and you give your energy to them it does come back to you so you cycle the energy and you know meditation you can do this within and uh, as a foundation but the real thing is to get your energy out into the world and bring it back in so as a monk you know I could go to these high states of consciousness but I wasn't able to bring that energy into the world fully, uh, to do that, which I eventually did, you know, with all my work and, and my finding my profession, my mission, my job, my service to my wife, to my children, to the world, my, you know, my clients. When you, when you bring that energy into the world, you, you you become aware of any of the blocks that you have to fully, fully giving love, you know? So here I am, I want to love my wife. And, and one day she's like in a bad mood and complaining or something not happy Uh, so i don't feel it coming back so if it doesn't come back then i stop giving and then i blame her for me not giving but actually it's me the pain that i feel in my heart is really i have stopped loving our happiness is is fulfilled you know we're most fulfilled when we are giving love When we're giving love i was just uh today listening to something on michael jackson and this is really important for people to understand you don't see this this often this understanding is that it's the flow is that when you block the flow you suffer that's the only reason we suffer is that we block the flow Uh, we think that we don't have enough but actually we have too much now that's you know it's like what too much too much love too much abundance too much freedom so let's look at michael jackson for example you know he had a tortured life tormented genius Uh, He said ever since a child because he was so gifted and talented and Genius and talent. This is a a, this is God coming through you. Okay, whenever you have a talent The energy is flowing through you from the higher spheres Uh, You're having more come through you put it that way And he said the only time he was happy or fulfilled is when he was on stage expressing his genius if he wasn't on stage expressing that genius he was tormented, or he could be writing a song, he would also feel the flow. But the flow, he's pulling it in, he's writing a song, the energy's building up. Then he goes, but and until he he expresses it to an audience, that energy's blocked. And so now he's speaking, he's singing to an audience, and they're all sending energy back to him. They're appreciating him, they're loving him. It's amazing to watch him dance and sing, he's putting all his energy out there, he's totally into his thing. All this energy is coming to him. He's sending it back out. Everybody's feeling fantastic. That's called cycling the, the love, cycling the energy. Uh, right now, I'm putting energy out. You're appreciating what I'm saying, that energy's coming back. But it's not 10,000 people. It's not a million people reading, uh, listening to his music. Whenever people are listening to his music, that's energy coming to him. And unless he's on stage sending that energy back out, he has no way to express himself, to express what comes through him. So what, what happens is he suffered. He was always depressed, always unhappy, never satisfied. Nothing was good enough unless he was in front of an audience. This is what he d- described himself as. So he took all kinds of drugs and medication and so forth. He couldn't sleep or anything. It was just too much energy coming in. And unless he was sending that energy out, he couldn't feel the fulfillment. Well, when you have somebody who loves you, you're in a relationship with them, their energy comes at you if you're not giving that energy back then you you it's blocked your energy is blocked your mind has said oh i'm not going to love you because you did this you did this you did this so we hold back and then we say i'm not going to love you until you apologize and you change and you become different then i'll give you love and then you feel better you know this demanding the outer world to change is the confusion that we have we you know we have this uh, 3 year old brain back there this primitive brain that Needs others for us to know who we are. Okay, we're dependent on others to know who we are. Spirituality is knowing who you are if nobody knows who you are. And who I am is a loving human being, and I'm a source of love and happiness. So I can send that love out when I'm doing that. Uh, the energy is flowing. I feel great. If I'm holding back, then I'm not. You know, so many people procrastinate. Uh, they say, okay, I want to write a book. Say, that was because I'm a writer. I say, I want to write a book. Really want to write it. And then I don't take action, then I get all frustrated inside and and disappointed with myself or I try to distract myself. I might need to overeat or some people take drugs, you know, to burn off all that blocked energy. So we're filled with this blocked energy. Tension is energy not flowing. It's when we stop loving, when we stop giving, when we stop being aligned with what we're here to do in this world, uh, the energy stops flowing through us. And then we blame the outer world for not making us happy.
1: So, so this I just can, did a little
0: riff on that for fun.
1: Yeah, no, no, that's beautiful. And this can potentially also happen with meditation and brahmacharya and being a monk and sannyasi. You know, can you be overwhelmed with, and, and in, get well, inflicted with this blocked energy?
0: Well, yeah. Well, for me, well, I was using the energy in meditation, which is constantly letting the energy flow through my body. I was clearing all the channels. You know, we have all these energy channels in the body and the movement. You know, my... Focused intent. You know, my intent was enlightenment—to know God, to know oneness, to find that state where uh, I'm one with the universe, my authentic self, the part of me that is one with the source. You know, we're all one with the source; we're just not aware of it. And uh, but then once you become one with the source, now you, the, <laughs> the energy's always coming through you. You got to find a way to express it. Right. But for me, the, the whole Brahmacharya thing was finding that place. You know, there's uh, some people, they'll say about TM, because that's what my main technique I was doing then. But it was more of an advanced technique of TM. You know, we were, um, it wasn't I was just repeating a mantra. At a certain point, I was just in a state of of letting the energy flow through my body and my consciousness feeling expanded and one with the universe.
1: What, was and it that, was, were you were practicing we, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali? Or?
0: Yeah, I was doing Yoga Sutras of Patanjali at the time as well. And... But but mainly I was just allowing the force to take over my body. I mean, that's where I got to. I think the last six years it was just, okay, close my ideas, my body would start shaking and energy was flowing and I would experience these altered states. You know, now, 50 years later, um, I can define those altered states. You know, there's, um, oh, there's so many levels of it. But then I was just doing 21, 3, going up, going up, going up, Now I go up to 13 levels up and then come down 13. Uh, It's it's learning. It's such an abstract experience. You know, one is is feeling uh, you're receiving energy. Okay, so if I'm receiving energy, now you're giving back energy. That's devotion, surrender. So I'm receiving energy. Now energy is just flowing out of me to the universe. And as it flows out, I become empty, being empty. And as I feel empty and the energy is flowing in, now I'm absorbing it through my navel, you know, so now the third chakra is waking up, you know, I'm taking energy in and, and whole, making it part of me. So now I feel one one with the universe let go, coming in. And then uh, now if I'm coming in then and I'm going out because the lower chakras are also open, now what's happening, my heart opens, I'm exchanging energy. And that's this feeling of opening of the heart, exchanging. And, and then, you know, it goes up and up and up and up. There's all these. But to define that is uh, uh, pretty tricky. It's taken years and years and years to then be able to teach it to other people, because if you can use words to define those levels of meditation, uh, it's easier for people to look for them and find them. You know, some people can just be being mindful and you're sort of in one level, you know, just sitting there as boring as can be. Uh, but you, you you learn how to uh, identify a name and then combine that with another name it's an alchemy and then you get a new state and then you get a name and another name and a new state and combine that name that you just created to all the others so it's a building block of consciousness that you you consciously do and it sounds complicated because i'm not in front of an audience giving them the experience you you know you can you have to experience these things and you can feel the shifts and then you give a name to it so i teach classes on that uh, and, you know, it's very advanced, but actually, beginners can learn it because we as a civilization have become advanced. Uh, our consciousness is completely different uh, than it was 50 years ago. The experiences people can have so quickly if they're given the techniques. Uh, think about it if you're a child and you're taught one plus one is two, it's very exciting. You know, you're very proud of yourself. I can count to 100. Uh, that's all very interesting, and you're drawn to it because you're developing a certain ability. But after you learn that ability, it becomes boring. You need to be challenged to the next level, and then you need to be challenged to the next level. So um, a lot of people are just bored with their meditation, and a lot of people enjoy it because they've gotten to certain levels that are enjoyable, but they don't go higher because they don't know, uh, oh, this is just one level. I need to go to the next. A lot of the gurus, for example, uh, on the planet, you know, when I look at them, I go – yeah, they just realize their self, you know, <laughs> it's self-realization is not the end of the game here. It's you know, you got to integrate, you got to be, uh, ultimately from my perspective, at least for me, it was, uh, self-realization and then integration processing and clearing all the, the negatives, you know, the, the part of us that doesn't forgive, uh, the part of us that gets angry or upset, the part of us that, um, gets angry and upset and denies it and not denying it, but embracing it and transforming it into love and support. You know, there's a lot of these things. Uh, many of the gurus, I, I know many of them, they still, you know, they get upset. They're they they they're hypocritical. You know, they teach celibacy and they're all having sex, you know, as opposed to come clean, you know, hey, I was a celibate, it got me to this place, but now I'm having sex. And, mm. uh, you know, you see it, it's a downfall of so many gurus is they have sex because once you get so high, there's nowhere else to go except bring the energy down and you bring the energy down into the let's say you're in the crown center. You're you're going to bring the energy down into your third eye. That's through understanding other people's point of view. Uh, going up, you're understanding yourself. OK, self-realization. Now you're going to understand the plight and the feelings and, and so forth. So like in my work, it's learning to validate the other person, to have a compassion and understanding of where they're coming from, not just you know, if you're a couple and she's saying her point of view and I said, but no, I'm right. You know, we all want to be right. That's because we're not yet bringing the energy down. But when the energy comes down, rather than the, that tendency, the defensive tendency to say, well, give excuses and justify myself, it's about learning how to listen, how to understand another under point of view. And that was the beginning of the Mars Venus material, which is recognizing how important it is significant for the yin energy to come forth is by being able to. Uh, listen to them and penetrate penetrate into another person rather than just always putting yourself out there then you want to bring your your energy down further to your throat chakra which is you know more of your talent your genius and uh, that when you're going up the chakras your your talent and genius is really what you want to do uh, but then when it's coming down you use your talent and genius to f- provide for uh fulfill a need in the world you know so many artists say oh i just do this painting for myself i go okay you know but what if you're you've got all this genius but you do it in service to others you express yourself not just how you want to express yourself but you do it in a way where it can be heard and where it can be a benefit benefit and apply that to relationships you know i remember i'd be with my wife bonnie and you know, she said, you know, you drive too fast. You know, I'm, well, I'm a great driver. You know, I could be a race car driver, uh, and I enjoy driving fast and no accidents. And so I do a good job, and I do that for myself. But then I get into the car with her, and I realize that doesn't make her feel safe or comfortable. I need to adjust my style of driving when she's in the car to be of service to her and you know i remember the first argument which was (laughs) which is uh what i have to give up my talent of driving fast and and the way i drive because you're not comfortable going fast and she says yes and then i thought well i I have to give up who i am wait a second i don't have to give up who i am uh there's many opportunities for me to drive fast uh, when she's not in the car uh and i got a great car to do it in. And, and then i can also drive differently when i'm with her it's a way of channeling my talents in such a way to be of service to my audience so to speak and i do i have so much information so much useful knowledge inside of me that people are just not ready for so i i it's like talking to your children you know you don't tell them everything you don't teach trigonometry to somebody who can do algebra you know you've got to take your talent express it in a form where it can be beneficial and heard not just for yourself so that's bringing the energy down. Bringing the energy down is being of self, being selfless, basically. So now who I am is self. I'm one with the universe. It's a gradual process of losing yourself uh, as you get down, down to the lower levels. Then you get to the place of, of the heart, you know, which is uh, you love someone because they do things for you. You know, they they say, oh, you're wonderful. Oh, I appreciate you so much. Oh, I'm good. I adore you. I'm bringing you flowers. Okay, that's that's all. As the energy is going up, we do things to get love. And uh, as energy comes down, you you continue to do things to get love, but you do it because you feel so loved and you just want to give selflessly unconditional love. So your love isn't so dependent on what somebody says or does. You're able to open your heart to them and not be so conditional in that. And there's nothing wrong with needing and wanting love. It's just that when you don't get it, to not withhold it. That's our programming and our conditioning of our lower brain, our lower self is always conditional. If you do this for me, then I'll love you as opposed to my love for you is unconditional. And when you do things for me, it does make me feel happier. I mean, it's not just us, you know, to be selfless doesn't mean that you don't also have your own needs. You learn that going up, how to get yourself what you need. And then it's about win-win all these things coming down, bringing the energy down. If you're coming from having gone up, you can find, okay, what do I need? What do you need? And then you bring the energy down to your power center. Uh, that's a solar plexus area. And, and that's okay. What I want is this, when you're going up, that's it. Was sort of as a monk, how you get your energy to go up is you give up everything you want, okay? So if I want something, I don't get it. I offer that up to the God. Uh, so if I want to eat a lot of food, I don't do that. You discipline yourself. If I want a lot of money, I don't, I'm moneyless. I don't care about money. I just need a place to stay. So you give up your desires. That squeezes that that sense of me, and the energy goes up to the heart. Uh, so a lot of bringing the energy up to the crown is by depriving yourself of it. Uh, something it forces it to go up, but now you're up, you got to bring it down, and bringing it down is learning to balance what I want with what you want, And, you know, this is happening in the world today, which is win-win business solutions. Uh, I remember having my lawyer. I said, I want you to drop this contract for me with these people. And I want to be really fair. I want them to get what we consider is fair (laughs) for me to get what is fair. And he said, no, no, I can't do that. I cannot help you drop a contract that isn't me getting the best for you. And and, because see what could happen later is I could sue him and said, oh, he was thinking about the other person and not about me instead of doing his very best to do for me. It's like corporations, they justify, you know, uh, being sort of um, selfish and not supportive of of the world because they say, oh, but we have to make maximum profit for our shareholders, so we have no choice. This is this crazy world we're in where you get in trouble if you try to create a win-win situation. So that's a real power, is the the power of, of selflessness, that's service, but also serving yourself at the same time in a balanced way. And that's tricky, you know, that's a, uh, that's relationships are always a test for all of this integration of the higher self to the lower self. And then you got sex, you know, bring it down to the sex center, which is, which not just the second chakra is not just about sex. It's also about like eating, you know, do we eat just for our pleasure or do we eat for our pleasure and what's good for us? You know, it's finding that balance uh, when sex, yeah, you can have lots of sex with yourself or online online. Uh, that just releases your energy. You don't get nourished by that. So find somebody where you can uh, have a nourishing sexual relationship. And and part of my work is to recognize that unless you find love first, unless you find love, sex will never be nourishing. It just depletes you because sex is giving your energy. Your life force goes out of you. Um, And if if the life force isn't coming back at you through love, uh, you just feel depleted and you get addicted to High intensity, high intensity is something that when someone is new and different and challenging uh, our, our fantasy, it doesn't it produces higher levels of dopamine than normal sex. Normal sex, you've got all kinds of hormones. you've got serotonin that balances the high dopamine. you've got estrogen that balances the high testosterone. you've got oxytocin to the physical touch, which can lower testosterone, raises estrogen for women, makes them more enjoy it more so it's a, a lot of conflicting hormones there if you just have sex with a stranger you'll get this dopamine level that's off the chart and uh that makes you addicted to that just like if you're taking cocaine so the, the whole losing interest in somebody is what's happening today there's 21 year olds who are masturbating every day as teenagers to porn and then by 21 they're they're impotent when they're with a real woman they can't make a commitment Uh, because they're overstimulating. And now women, on the other hand, it's not just men have addictions. Women also have their addictions. Uh, When they're way on the male side, they're addicted to doing. They're addicted to worrying. This has not been done. This has not been done. This has not been done. So, you know, as a marriage counselor, you see all these women who are dissatisfied with their partners. Uh, It's amazing. They can just have so many uh, picky They can be so picky, 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 and they've rationalized and justified all their all their complaints. He should be this. He should be this. And, you know, we have a whole university reinforcing this. The psychology departments, men are men are the bad guys. Men should be like this. Men should be like this. Men should be like this. Let's try to change men. And the whole men are from Mars, women from Venus was giving men permission to be men loving men. You know, there's also many, many behaviors of a loving man that women just don't consider loving. Like one of the key Things And men are from Mars was men need their cave time. It's not always about connecting. Relationship is not about connecting. That's part of relationship. You have to have your separate lives coming together, separate lives coming together. There's a dance that you have to do and you give up yourself too much. Uh, you're out of balance. And, you know, if women give up their female side, you know, women come to their female side my help women understand what yin energy is like. They feel oh, I feel like I'm weak. I'm depending on somebody. I'm needing someone. But that's what life's about is we have to need and depend on others. That's what relationships are about is having that interdependence. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of imbalance going on in the world today. And what what uh, so then you bring it down to the uh, all the way down to. The the base chakra, you know, you're bringing the divine down into your unconscious. And that's where we have our personal growth work, where we change all of our conditioned responses. So all the way down, we we always are dealing with conditioned responses and we learn not to buy into them. But when you bring the energy all the way down, you can actually change those conditioned responses and change those uh, unconscious beliefs that we have. And, and turn them into not limiting beliefs, but open, but but true beliefs, you know, which are things which make you feel good. You know, if I mean, look at it, a lot of people teach this kind of work It focuses down there, which is um, it, it when I'm not upset with my husband, say, if I'm, uh, the, from the a woman's point of view, I'm upset with my husband. And why are you upset? Because there's a belief inside of you that says if he does that it means he doesn't love me and he'll leave me and maybe you're not even aware that that belief exists you just get upset when he goes into his cave but actually there's a buttons that's being pushed in your unconscious mind that says if he pulls away he's not like me because if i pull away i'm gonna leave somebody so if he pulls away my life's in danger because historically and you know these brains have evolved over millions of years um historically when a man pulls away he's gone you die uh, you were very much dependent on your mate for survival. Um, mm, a man gets angry, say it's very, very threatening to those deep conditioned responses. And you go into a fight or flight state where you can't hear anything he says. And yet you keep asking questions. Uh, that's one part of the brain asking questions, thinking if we have a good conversation, it's going to work out, but you've got this other part of you, which has been triggered in the unconscious. And that trigger is always going to be there until you can bring the light down into the unconscious and become conscious of those beliefs and change them. So that's a lot of great work where people are working on bringing the light into their belief systems and changing it. So those are examples of bringing the light from above all the way down. Mm. Um, and, and that's a journey. That's the journey after enlightenment. You know. So I saw all these gurus who they lie, they get angry at people, they uh, reject people if they get see they're still like spoiled movie stars you know they're getting all this love and support and then when it doesn't come they get pissed off and you kind of go okay well they have their enlightenment they know themselves but they're still run by the conditioning uh, there's even rationalizations you know they say you know i remember in the vedic tradition there's the you become enlightened but you still have Lesha vidya vidya is a the remains of ignorance you still have the remains of ignorance well you can actually change the ignorance and bring light into it But that's the evolved path that the planet's on right now. Is that we're a different world? So much of the ancient teachings are absolutely stunningly brilliant, but not necessarily applicable to the
1: level of consciousness of
0: people today.
1: A few things I want to talk. One thing is just about the um, gurus having sex. What do you think this phenomenon is? Because you see that they're all—is it because they just need to outlet this energy, and you see them sleeping with many people and things like? Hearing some rumors and media.
0: Oh, it's, uh, (laughs) well, there's nothing wrong with sex. We need to have sex. We're human beings, beings, the the brain, the body is designed to have sex. Okay, so what's wrong with having sex? Sex is (laughs) great.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's that they're vilified by the community and the media for doing that.
0: Well, we live in a culture where sex is bad. And also the, the, the gurus teach that sex is bad. That's the problem with it. <laughs> you know, reading about a guru, uh, I've seen it many times, they teach celibacy. The the teacher teaches celibacy because usually the guru achieved his self-realization, one level of enlightenment, uh, through uh, celibacy was a big part of it because when you, celibacy is you're depriving yourself of the energy going down. So now the energy has a chance to go up. And you're focusing on your your meditation to bring the energy up. But once your energy is up and is there, what do you do? You bring it back down, but you stay up. That's the idea of it. But that's not in anybody's teaching. They don't they don't come forth. So like hypocrites, that's the whole thing is that you you're seen as a hypocrite. And mm-hmm. there's a uh, you know some teachers I I remember a teacher named Baba Free John. He changed his name many times, but um, Da, I think his name was. I forget. But um, he didn't get in trouble for it. He was just part of his teaching. He told everybody, mm-hmm. you know, hey, when you're enlightened, uh, come enjoy the enlightenment. <laughs> <So> he, <laughs> he, he, he's a guy. You guys love sex. You know, nobody ever <laughs> taught him what I teach is how you can actually have the best sex with the same person. See, that's mm-hmm. the higher teaching. That's what we're trying to get to and you know the planet's ready for it i think uh it's we have this fantasy and it's the wisdom women bring which is it's kind of primitive which is security security is staying with the same person right stay secure you got children you don't want your partner going off you don't want to combine a whole bunch of families that you want to have your own and stay together uh have peaceful harmony build something have a foundation and grow but people get divorced, you know, so many of the times the problems they have is in divorce is they stopped having sex a long time ago. They're not making love anymore. They're drained. They also don't have the skills in order to, to generate some love to get it to the point where you want to have sex together. Uh, so they're, But having sex, we know that when you when you make love, when you have orgasms for women, their estrogen levels become 20 times higher than the average man. And for women to actually get pregnant, her estrogen levels have to become 20 times higher. So this is a necessity for her body requires some kind of stimulation to get her up to that point. And if you can get her at that point quite often, uh, she's going to be a really happy lady at the right time of the month and so forth. Uh, you know, I've written about all the periods and times for women's cycle and men's cycle. And this is all laid out in my book, Beyond Mars and Venus. But the, the, the reality here is that sex when a man is, is, uh, has an orgasm, for example, his estrogen levels peak out, his testosterone level peaks out at that time, uh, and he's able to experience pure, pure love. I would describe that love as, uh, you know, different levels of orgasm, just like different levels of enlightenment uh, and awareness. Um, it would be the feeling I have with my wife is, you know, you're mine. Pure attachment. And I'm yours, pure surrender. Uh, And we're one. See, that that is, it's, you know, the idea of giving up attachment is nonsense. Uh, Be attached to the moment and let go of the moment as it passes. You know, this is, uh, that's flow. Flow is I'm gripping the now. I'm attached to right now. And I'm constantly having to let go so that the now becomes the next now. Next now becomes the next now. Now becomes the next now. So that's flow. And in sex, the way we experience it, the way I've experienced it and describe it, I adore my wife, is you're mine. You're my wife. I'm yours. And, you're, and we're one. Now, if you were doing that in meditation, you know, there's, these, these are the, um, the experiences that one has when the energy is going through those centers. It's uh, I am that. Uh, that I am. I am that I am. Okay. That's a series of I am that, meaning I am you. I, I'm yours. I am that and you're mine, uh, that I am. I'm that, that I am, I am that I am. So there's a, you know, the, the esoteric perspective of this, but that was all just in a sense with yourself in the universe. How about actually bringing the universe into another human being and experiencing that state with them and sustaining that state that, that you're my wife. I don't, I, when you have great sex with your wife, if you're a man, you don't need another woman. You know, you certainly you enjoy. I could enjoy other women easily, but it would be a down be a downer from the love that my wife feels for me. The high I get with her when your partner is creating great sex, when you're able to make more love with one person, there's no need to go to another person. The reason we have all the polyamory is that people, they can't sustain that passion with one person. And it's really the absence of skills which are able to sustain polarity. You see, most couples don't have problems with monogamy for the first few years of a relationship, at least in more traditional sense, uh, because we used to have differences between men and women. There, you get this newness, which is always going to stimulate dopamine. But as soon as you love someone, that makes serotonin. So there's familiarity. So the risk and the danger goes away. The comfort, the comfort level is there to be comfortable with someone and also make dopamine isn't going to happen naturally. You have to, you maintain dopamine stimulation, the pleasure of connecting by being separate. And if you actually have your, your, if a woman is very much connected to her yin energy and a man's connected to his yang energy, it's like a magnetic attraction to come together and fuse those two things together. Uh, and that's polarity. You have to maintain your sense of polarity. If you've got a male body, you've got this in the, in the physical world, you are Yang and, and in your mind, you're Yin. You, you also have a Yin side, but it's not your physical body. And the woman's physical body is Yin. That's what it is. Her hormones are dominant Yin energy. And so when that Yin energy dominates in, the, in a man's body, his testosterone is 30 times higher than a woman, he's going to be attracted to this woman. And if her estrogen levels are are, uh, 20 times higher than his, uh, she will feel that, uh, and his testosterone is much higher than hers and her estrogen is much higher than his. You'll feel this amazing chemistry that will be sustained for a lifetime if you're able to culture that. But you've got to learn how to make love. You've got to learn how to have orgasms. You can't have too many orgasms if you're ejaculating. That's another thing that causes burnout in marriage you know these couples actually have very good relationships but they've lost having the sex drive and that can can be there's many many reasons for things but one of the reasons is too much sex if you're having the sex where you ejaculate Uh, the japanese did a study showing that when a man ejaculates his his testosterone levels will drop and they'll stay low for six six days low meaning normal to come back to normal for six days But on the seventh day, if he doesn't masturbate, if he doesn't ejaculate, if he doesn't have sex, uh, on the seventh day, his testosterone will double. He feels like an alpha man. And he has tremendous passion for his partner. And then it goes back down to normal. And then for six days, it's normal if he doesn't release it. And on the seventh day, it will double. I mean, this is how you double your testosterone. Now for me, you know, there's advanced techniques when it comes to love and sex, is you learn how to have orgasms without ejaculating uh and that's that's a whole story um and, and takes time to learn but uh, it can be learned then you can have sex every day because you never lose your interest in having sex your testosterone stays double high all the time uh that that's to
1: that let's talk about that okay, later okay, but i we'll want go to go back to monogamy because it seems like that is really um you know a uh, the I guess uh, profound way to be able to rise together in unity towards you know enlightenment and and experience and, and express ultimate love, and, and it's interesting how you said you know these uh, you know with the open relationships it's they they can't commit and it just feels like it's restricted in the amount of love that you can experience and also express.
0: If you're what is restrictive if you're not monogamous?
1: Yes. It feels, Here, here's it, it, what you express <laughs> that that love, like in terms of you're with someone, just and and you can kind of cultivate that more and go deeper.
0: You can if if you're having great sex. Uh, it, it sex is something which is intimate. Okay, I mean it's. Let me let me. I have a way of describing it for myself because uh, I have a rationale that makes sense to me, and that is if I have a million dollars. I can give a dollar to a million people and that's good. But if I give a million dollars to one person, I get a big response. <laughs> so I, it's in a sense, my selfishness is the wisdom that if I can give, you know, the essence of me, okay, to, and that's, that's what sex is. As you join, you, you unite, you become one with, and on a physical level. Okay. On an energetic level, you become one with, um, you, you give that and a woman can receive that. Okay, that just brings her to the highest level where she feels safe, secure, loved, adored. And there's a oneness that happens there and that's fulfilled. So I don't need to uh, do that with somebody else. And if I do it with somebody else now, and when I'm doing that with somebody else, uh, my wife's not getting it. <laughs> so she's got she's only going to get part of it. It's literally like, you know, giving your money away to everybody um, as opposed to keeping it within your family, so to speak, so your children have better education and so forth. It's selfish. It is selfish, but uh, it allows you to continue growing in love with one person. And I think that when you grow in love with one person, here's the other benefits of that, is it allows you to get in touch with whatever blocks you have, whatever buttons that you have that can be pushed so you can overcome them. Uh, If somebody rejects me, for example, a button gets produced and I tend to have an automatic reaction to reject them back. Uh, Somebody says to me, oh, you know, this Mars Venus stuff, it's so sexist. Um, In the beginning, a long time ago, that was a button and I would try to convince them uh, that it's not sexist. And now I I, I sense a person, are they asking for my help? I'm happy to help, but if you're just wanting to tell me I'm wrong, uh, I'm happy to listen to your point of view. Sure. Tell me. I have no interest in, in trying to change their point of view unless they're asking for my help and then I will try to help. So there's a button that gets pushed produced, which is if somebody rejects me, I should uh, uh, re- reject them back or I should somehow try to convince them so that they're not going to reject me. But I'm not dependent on them changing for my own sense of happiness, but I am happy to help. So that's a button that gets pushed. Well, we all have these buttons that get pushed and we have to learn how to transform them and become these loving beings that we truly are instead of these monkeys who are reactive. Um, You know, we know even in science that most of our brain has the DNA of a monkey and part of it has DNA of a snake, cold-blooded. That's how people can kill, you know, because they, they can completely disconnect from compassion and empathy and get into that place but then when they come back to the place of compassion empathy they feel really bad about what they did and we have all kinds of rationales for justifying killing people uh, but it, regardless it's our heart we're here to love we're here to help we're here to nurture and uh monogamy it's just a very practical thing i mean from one level uh as far as reaching the heights i've reached the heights it makes love that's the the point of it uh, that once that love is there, my, I go into balance. Then I go to a higher level being of service to the world. You know, this is what we're not about. You know, life isn't just about sex. It's about being of service as well. But one of the monogamy is going to be the ultimate service to your relationship.
1: In, in the past, I had a bit of tension between the two and that, that was the reason my relationship ended. And I asked my, my guru, my teacher, who my Ayurvedic, the Ayurvedic doctor who teaches me Ayurvedic, and he said to me, and i said what about all the kings you know in the vedas and the mythology they used to have you know 20 wives and all these and he goes but not not for this yoga not for this this age called kali yoga not this era it's for this era it's one one
0: yeah and, well he's absolutely right and um, see we're in a higher level of consciousness you have to realize the kings basically uh, there weren't enough men to go around first of all uh, There'd be all these battles and men were dying all the time. So you got all these poor women. So women were very pro. Let's have lots of women with one man. Uh, That sounds great. So that the king had lots of money. Let's go all go be with him. And the king uh, wasn't of the consciousness where he could sustain this high level of consciousness without having to have a new woman every time. A new woman every time will bump your dopamine up. Uh, and it will raise your testosterone. It's just that it will go back down. So you have to keep fueling it with women who are really appreciative and happy that you're providing something of great benefit for them. Uh, today, uh, women basically are not like shortage of men and a greater benefit for them would be the, the nurturing that love can provide them. In those days, it was just give me a, a shelter, give me clothes, give me food, and I'm very grateful. You know, if we just sort of take off on that, that's one of the problems today in relationships is that women are not going to be satisfied sharing a man. Eh? Uh, a, <laughs> it's like why should I have to share? I want, I want it for me, I want to sleep with him every night. I want him loving me. I want to be priority in his life, and. Where that comes from, because it's not, it's another age, it's another time where Maslow would describe this as a, a hierarchy of needs. Uh, when you're living in survival conditions, your needs are very different. You don't need monogamy. Uh, you need a provider and you're happy to share that with six other women, with 20 other women, with a hundred other women. And that man is You know, always you have to know how the kings did it, by the way, is their wives. They had one, the main wife. She selected the woman every night. It wasn't him. Uh, He would. So she was still uh, making sure that no other woman's going to take him (laughs) from her. She had this position Uh, in China, for example, 50 years ago, a man could have many wives. But the number one wife has got all the money. Okay, so she controlled everybody because the the society says she gets the money, she controls the money uh, and therefore they're they're more secure. A lot of needs were being fulfilled. And so when we have different needs, we have a different code, different behaviors. Uh, But right now, when women uh, basically don't depend on men for their physical survival as much as they used to, uh, We sort of interdependent, you know, we depend on women, uh, but women used to depend on us for their uh, survival, for money. Let's put it in the world of money. Uh, You needed a man to have money, to have property. Otherwise, you didn't have it now. So you needed a man. So a man would provide that for you. You were happy. And if he could provide that for other women, if he had lots of money and he could provide that for other women, it wasn't as big an issue for you. But once your survival needs can be fulfilled, you suddenly have new needs. That was the whole idea of of the hierarchy of needs. And the new need is for emotional fulfillment. And emotional fulfillment is love. Uh, So, you know, if your husband went away and worked all day, you felt love because you needed the money he was going to bring home. But here I am, you know, successful man, and I'm out talking to a thousand people. My wife doesn't feel loved. You know, she says, John, you're out there giving them your energy, not me. And I was like, well, no, I'm doing it for us. I said, no, no, we got plenty of money. You're not doing it for <laughs> You're doing it because that's your mission. Get that. I understand that. You've got to do that. But also I have my emotional needs as well. And I need to feel more important than all those people. So you have to balance this. So I, I understood that. You know, this is the emotional needs that we have. Um you know, I, I, I actually appreciate my wife because she loves what I do. I mean, she thinks I'm a great man for what I do. She admires my meditation. She admires my books, She admires my work. So all those things, uh, I'm getting a special emotional support from her as opposed to her admiring some other guy some, more than me. I get a special attention from her. She gets special attention from me. Uh, you know, she thinks I'm this great father for our children. She can imagine a better father for our children. So... Uh, and then as a grandfather. So I'm getting this special intimate love and that's a foundation for me of higher needs. And my higher needs are to be of service in the world. I'm a a man with a mission and to express my creative talents, my abilities, what I'm here to do. And we all have that inside. We don't, many people are lost. They haven't found what they're here for. Uh, And part of that is meditation can be one way to do that. That's for sure. It was a way for me.
1: Beautiful. And just back to you were talking about, you know, semen retention and, you know, uh, having orgasms without ejaculating. I just want to, you know, I think it's beautiful um, that, you know, everyone is, uh, there's an increase in conscious sexuality and people are desiring a deeper connection. But as you said, it's a, it's a very advanced technique. Uh, well, I remember when I first um, came across it with a girlfriend who was into all the tantra and, and it was great. It was nice. But I remember then shortly after, or not you know a bit a few months later maybe when i went to india for my annual you know training my guru he felt my pulse and he goes oh there's some issues with the prostate and then he told me about how prostate calculus can occur and if you look at ayurveda one of the very like serious um, causes of disease which are not at all appreciated enough is is the suppression of the natural urges and there's 14 urges like you know urine flatus you know, sneezing, all these things. And one of them is seminal discharge. So I think it's important for people, for both men and women to know is when you're, you know, when you're feeling that ejaculate is is very much about to come out, You there can be danger in suppressing that because then it can stay there and, you know, create, it can calcify and and create issues with the prostate.
0: Definitely. Definitely. It's a, It should not be done lightly. It should not be done lightly. And I actually, when I was teaching it back in the early 80s, for me, even then, uh, I was getting um, prostate infections. And um, because it was backing up and, and there would be infections as a prostatitis, it can be a symptom of it as well. And any chronic infection can eventually turn to cancer, can turn to swelling of the prostate gland. So, you know, the the technique that I I teach is, you know that you're you're doing it wrong if you get blue balls. Simple as that. Um, If you can do it without getting blue balls, then you're doing it right. Because the blue balls is when you hold back the urge. If you have the urge and you hold back, you'll get blue balls. And um, so then you learn how to not get the blue balls. And that's, you have to develop certain muscle groups. Uh, that's a big part of the whole thing. I teach exercises for muscle groups. Then you have to practice restraint, uh, which means that when you see before that urge to ejaculate comes, you need to stop and you need to connect with your feelings of love and connection. And in the beginning, just stop. That's it. You had enough. We'll to start again tonight. <laughs> we do it in the morning. And you have to be very patient with the whole thing and recognize the objective is not the orgasm. The objective is not the orgasm ejaculation. The objective is to ramp up your sexual energy to the point where your heart opens more and you feel more love. And when you're feeling that love, then you let it relax. And uh, sometimes you can continue on and then you feel you relax and you feel the love. And you have to control the woman at that time. Uh, you know, we both control each other, but what happens is usually. At a time where you're approaching, you, 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 you're recognizing, I need to slow it down. That happens at the time where often women, if they're not practicing, you see, women have to practice. They have to understand they have a role in all of this. It's very easy for women to orgasm once they learn how to orgasm uh, because they don't ejaculate. So they don't have that depletion of energy afterwards. But what happens is what a woman has to practice is being in harmony with the man's energy and when the man sees ejaculation approaching uh, that means that's a time where she has to let go of her attachment to orgasm because they have attachment to orgasm you're giving up your attachment to orgasm but you're letting your energy build again and then every time the energy builds up and builds up and it can take uh, several months before that natural building up of energy uh, is a wave of orgasmic pleasure. But what will happen for women is generally when a man starts to feel the urge to ejaculate, uh, at that point, uh, she'll, she'll sort of grab on, he's going to relax. She wants to grab that energy and go for an orgasm. And that's her attachment to orgasm. And ironically, as I teach this, to couples, whatever, um, or introducing the ideas, it's women who kind of go, no, I want the ejaculation. I, you know, I don't want to, I I want that ejaculation she's got to give up her attachment to that ejaculation Uh, why she wants it is because that ejaculation what happens hormonally in a man is uh, he fully feels okay it's a ejaculation is when your estrogen levels are peaking out higher than your testosterone and so there's a place of selfless surrender and love in that moment. And women grab onto that and they go, I like that. And there's nothing wrong with liking that. That's good. But if you have patience, uh, you build up and then stop, build up and stop, have conversations, connect and kiss and touch and feel the pleasure of the sensuality without the goal of orgasm and actually letting go of any attachment to orgasm. Then what woman will begin to experience is orgasmic energy, which she's not, controlling it's happening to her it's a wave hitting her as opposed to grabbing it and taking it uh which women will tend to do when they when they've had uh too much masturbation uh and and certainly um if you you know one of the challenges for women men's challenges all this pornography for women is their vibrators uh, that's one of their challenges because now you're doing it yourself and it's high stimulation it's much higher stimulation than a man would ever be able to provide for you. And uh, it desensitizes the clitoris. And uh, it also can create a release in it, which then causes an addiction to it. And not all women are addicted to, to vibrators. I'd say many more men are addicted to pornography than women are addicted to the vibrators. But you want to be able to allow a man to provide that fulfillment for you then you're interacting you're getting in touch with estrogen which is the hormone that gets produced when you're depending on someone so you're getting kind of a fantasy estrogen you're depending on a vibrator and and that's that's you holding the vibrator okay it's it's not him and it's really we want to depend on not so much the physical stimulation but the energy of the physical stimulation which is the energy of pleasure is you're just connecting with his energy providing for you feeling dependent on him it's a personal experience as opposed to an impersonal experience so these are subtleties and it takes time to you know explore it and talk about it and understand different experiences people have to wake up your own awareness there's a lot of we just don't have a lot of awareness of what goes on it's so automatic it's so instinctive it's so animal to to do all this that we want to bring that consciousness in there and uh, slow it down.
1: Yeah, really beautiful. How how can people do this course with you, or how can men do that course for you on the same Well, right retention? now
0: we're, we're uh, uh, not doing any in person courses. At my website, MarsVenus uh, I have uh, some classes that people can take on uh, on sex. And that takes it to the level of great making love. And it doesn't go into the the depth of ejaculation control and multi-orgasmic, et cetera, et cetera. That course is coming.
1: Does that come online?
0: It's coming to be online, yeah. I teach it in person with men only and with women only, but then I um, will be teaching it online. People can get it that way
1: right and I want to go back to you you know you, you touched on it earlier and it's really a I guess a foundation of your book is you know with this again as you as you mentioned we're increasing consciousness in the collective it's and with it, with that is coming people are uh, I guess a bit able to access both their feminine and masculine sides and we can see perhaps an increase in gender fluidity and so how and and then we've got to also remember like we also have to honor the gender that our body was blessed with. So can you talk about that? And uh, perhaps the the trend of, I mean, I see a trend of, of, yeah, people, this gender fluidity.
0: Well, some people are actually born with both a vagina and a penis. So let's just not get into the idea that everybody that these very clear sexual differences are everybody. But psychologically, uh, we do have uh, a lot of confusion and the confusion is in the collective consciousness right now masculinity is bad um, and we should all be more feminine ironically at a time when we're saying we should all value what is feminine women are becoming more and more masculine um more traditionally masculine more independent uh and you know sometimes in the evolutionary process you have to this is very cliche, but you have to go really far left before you recognize we're going the wrong direction here. <laughs> you you have to experience some pain of going the wrong direction before you can self-correct. Uh, now, i written this book, Beyond Mars and Venus, where I talk about how we're so out of balance, how you can bring it back into balance. I could have written it in 1992. OK, so it's the, the same thing I'm seeing everywhere this gender confusion is what would typically happen was typically going on. in almost every couple that came into my office who wanted divorces, that there was this gender confusion. And what that means is you basically had a woman who was disconnected from her yin energy. She was overwhelmed. She was dissatisfied. She was uh, not vulnerable. She was blaming, she was criticizing. Uh, She was complaining. All those things happen when women don't have their hearts open and the mind finds reasons to justify my heart's not open. But when your heart is open, your estrogen levels are very high. And this is the hormone that women need. But when a woman's in a relationship where she opens herself up and a man doesn't give her what she needs, it hurts. You know, she she expresses how she feels and he ignores her or he corrects her or he doesn't empathize with her then that hurts. You feel like, oh, he doesn't love me. I'm not getting my need met for love. So if I can't, if I don't feel loved by him, then I can't depend on him. So I don't trust him. So when you go into, I don't trust him, you stop making estrogen. And that's what typically once, you know, from the fifties on, you really saw a huge shift in our need for emotional fulfillment, men and women, We're now no longer so dependent on each other for money because it was kind of like after the war. um, You know, women did all these jobs during the war, so now women could be more independent. We had birth control. Women don't have to suddenly get pregnant when they're young. They can think about, you know, being more independent in their lives, which felt great, you know, because it meant that they could be on their male side and their female side. But as as they got married and then they got married and they got way over to their male side, Their female side wasn't being nurtured and supported because that's an emotional need that women have. The the emotional needs of the yin energy and there's the emotional needs of the yang energy. Uh, If you're making money, you're fulfilling the emotional needs of the yang energy because somebody is valuing your service. But as women went over to the yang energy to come back to the yin energy felt weak. And powerless, because if they went there, men did not know how to provide the emotional support that women need. Uh, prior to that time, men provided not the emotional support women needed. They provided the security that women needed. They, had the, they made the money. They went out and went to war. They went to the job. They did jobs they didn't even love or like, uh, you know, just to make the money. And they were OK with that as long as it brought happiness to their partners. And she was OK with him being gone most of the time. Uh, They didn't complain. He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't understand me. He's not romantic. That wasn't a major thing in those days. He has a good job. You had little to complain about. But as soon as emotional needs become a priority, uh, if you don't know how to get your emotional needs fulfilled, then it hurts when they're not fulfilled. So to avoid that pain, women went over to their male side. And men have the emotional needs of feeling like heroes. And that became even stronger. We've always had that, but that now it's a bigger emotional need. And uh, we want to be appreciated. We want to be accepted. We want to be trusted. You can depend on me. We're the guy. We're the hero. That's an emotional need. And, it, you know, some people make us wrong for that. You know, you shouldn't be that. That's being egotistical. That's your ego driving you. And it's only your ego driving you when you don't get it. You know, all these egotistical men are or women, but egotistical men, uh, they're insecure. It's because they're not getting the appreciation, the trust, the acceptance that they need, the forgiveness that, you know, to be embraced and loved. And that, that it's been, it's, so when your male side is, is not being loved, it's easy to go over to the female side. You know, the female side for a man is to do what you love to do, play games, enjoy yourself, watch TV, do sports and, don't make a commitment. Go masturbate to pornography. This is all easy stuff. You know, men want to go to easy because if you don't do difficult, unless you have a lot of love and support, that gives you the strength to do it. You know, the guidance, the coaching, the opportunities, the education. Boy, it feels good to to have a skill and to provide a service. But if you don't have the education, it, you feel like you know you're not going to get appreciated. It's very hard to feel that independent energy. You want to become more dependent on something for your happiness.
1: Mm, beautiful and and people may be asking well well, what's wrong with you know being uh, tapping into my masculine a, a woman might be asking and a man might be asking, what's wrong with tapping into my feminine, but obviously this can cause yeah issues with the emotions and also with the with the physiological symptoms like infertility and and hormonal disturbances all this.
0: You know, it's very common now for males to have very low testosterone. And when you have low testosterone, you don't have the natural male qualities of of wanting to work hard, of sacrifice, of of commitment, of goal orientation, of focus, of selflessness. These are all male qualities. And now we think of men as selfish. Men are so selfless. You know, it's the men who who go out in the dark to empty the trash. It's the men who... Mm -hmm. Who go to war and give up your life, you know? And now women are saying, "Well, we do it too. Now we get to do it." Okay, great. You're becoming men. And what they found is 90% or even higher of the women who go to, who went overseas, all get divorces when they come back. They're not happy with their husbands. Um, That you can't feel happy and satisfied with somebody and be in love with somebody if your estrogen levels aren't double. Their normal levels. That's how you fall in love. If you're a woman, you need your estrogen levels to to double, and then you can feel I'm in love with someone. You can bond deeply with them, so that you can give them the love they need. This is a challenge for you know women hit menopause. If they haven't learned how to create estrogen, they really have a, a suddenly they don't have their eggs to make a lot extra estrogen for them. So what happens is they just they meet good men. They can't fall in love. It just doesn't do it because they can't generate enough estrogen. And it's not that they're missing eggs. Uh, that was just when you're younger. You need those the estrogen to make a baby. But once you get beyond baby years, uh, you can make enough estrogen to fall in love. But you have to have the skills to do it. You see, and and the women today they're way on their male side. It's very hard for them to get back to their female side, which feels vulnerable and sensitive. And needs love and affection wants romance tenderness is able to be compassionate and accepting uh not demanding perfection seeing the good in things these are all qualities of our yin energy and women are unfortunately not trained on how to get back to that place it takes some training to do that uh you know i've written 400 page book on how you do that that's beyond mars and venus uh, hmm. and then Than for men, it's it's such an abstract notion of what it means to come back and be a man. I'll give you an example. Uh, You know, my partner was saying to me that, uh, you know, you never complain. You're just like the most amazing husband in the world. And I go, yeah. (laughs) That's because I have yang energy. Yang energy doesn't complain. Every time if you verbalize a complaint, your yin energy is going up. That's why women will tend to complain a lot. Is their yin energy they're trying to get to their yin energy and then they learn not to speak it out loud then it just goes around in their brain and and they're constantly looking at problems and things aren't good enough and this is a depressed woman or this is a stressed woman this is the overwhelmed woman which is not every woman i'm not saying this is every woman if you're a happy woman listening no problem you know then you're typically you're balancing your masculine and your feminine but if you if your mind is just filled with complaints and nothing's good enough for you, or it's always the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, that's your hormonal imbalance inside. It's it typically today it would be that you're way too far on your male side. Now you can be way too far on your yin side. That that also is a possibility. There's balance. It's just in today's culture we women tend to be more on their male side, men tend to be more on their female side, and you know. To come back to your male side means you have to live in a culture that appreciates men. That's what it's about. And and when when suddenly you, some of the things I talk about in men from Mars, for example, men need the cave time. So you're married to this woman, you love her, and she thinks we're all the same, and you feel like you can't breathe. Uh, you have two options at that point. You're feeling suffocated in the relationship. You you might be irritated, irritated. You're annoyed. You're bugged. You're bothered. Okay. Now what your brain can do about that is it can start justifying why you're bugged and bothered. Okay. You're irritated. You're annoyed. Your brain will start looping on something your partner said or did that wasn't right in your mind. Okay. So what can you do at that point? You can uh, blame your partner and that's called going to your female side. You're a victim. You're going to your victim self as opposed to Come back to your male side that says, okay, what am I doing wrong that's causing this problem? See, your male side is always at cause. So how am I creating my emotion right now of irritation? I'm, I'm buying into the illusion that she's irritating me. Actually, I'm doing something that I have to change inside of me. And how do I do that? Well, men don't know how to do that. And so they go to a psychologist. They'll teach you, oh, you should talk about how you feel. Well, talk about how you feel, your irritation, your annoyance, your anger, your disappointment, your hurt, your sadness. Go and talk to your partner about that. That's a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. It raises your estrogen and further lowers your testosterone. So what does it mean? If you're finding those symptoms of low testosterone, irritation, annoyance, being bothered, higher estrogen, being angry, that's high estrogen in men, not high testosterone. It's high estrogen. We got all this backwards. What you need to do, first of all, is realize, boy, you're way out of balance, whatever you're feeling. Don't believe it. Stop believing your thoughts and your feelings right now. You're out of of whack. You need to go do something you're good at, raise your testosterone, then reflect on what just happened that upset you. Realize it's no big deal. Let it go. Try to do something loving, and you'll feel great. See, love is the answer, not uh, indulging and criticizing your partner.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Men aren't okay. taught
0: that. Men aren't taught don't complain. And at the same time, you get angry, you're supposed to express yourself, talk it out. No, stop talking. You go back in time. This is even old traditional stuff. Buddha said, forget your problems, go into meditation. Stop talking so much. Take silence. And that's good for men. See, it's not good for women. Women need to talk about their feelings, express their feelings, they increase their estrogen. Unless they have too much estrogen then they have to do things to increase their testosterone. It's just that today's woman particularly is -hmm. way on her male side and will do great, great benefit to come back to her female side, which is why we have things called, um, what do we call it? We call it counseling. We call it coaching where you get to go talk to somebody about your feeling, what you're thinking, and so forth. That helps you a lot, particularly produce your estrogen. Now, for men, coaching is great because you're able to, Talk to somebody to analyze things. That's Freud started psychology with, uh, our, with analysis and analyzing things, where things come from, why you're over, why you're overreacting. You know, just to say to somebody today, you're overreacting, politically incorrect. All psychology is completely changed, because you wouldn't want to say to somebody when they're upset, hey, you're overreacting. But the reality is, when they're upset, they are overreacting. So, But it seems to be dismissive, and men have used it to dismiss women rather than validate that, yeah, you're overreacting. You're having a hard time right now. How can I help understand what you're feeling so that your feelings can change? Because at that time, when women's emotions are not being validated and heard, they just become more intense. And then they suppress them, pushing them down, then pushes them over to their male side where they become overwhelmed and they can't find the love and the happiness.
1: Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. It's a
0: complicated thing. You know, we're facing huge challenges, big survival stuff. I mean, in relationships, the maintaining a relationship without instruction that takes into consideration your male and female side, you're having it's a tough road, very tough road.
1: Hmm. All right. That's a wrap up. Um, But just on that as well, like I've recently been kind of talking with men and and I, I think there's a huge need for it because the, I've been talking with men that, you know, I, that are things that I've never spoken about before, like sex with other women, and um, how I feel about women. And I just think there's a huge need for that in men because men don't express it, as you've alluded to. They, they don't, you know, they like to just keep things to themselves, which is fine, but. Although it's quite a feminine thing to discuss it with other men, but perhaps because it's men. Oh, uh, you know, hate-
0: it's, it's, it's easy to hear everything I say and not hear the whole package. I mean, this is a lot of material. I'm not saying men should not talk about their feelings. You don't talk about your feelings, your, your negative feelings to somebody trying to change that person's point of view. Like you express your negative emotions at your wife, you're doing it to change her. You're not doing it to simply connect with other men you're not doing it to become more aware of what's going on inside of you. You're not doing it. Uh, what, let me change the framing here is that if you're using your negative emotions to have an effect on somebody, then you're going to become more estrogen. If you're using your negative emotions as a man, okay. If you're using your negative emotions to connect with that other man to let go of those emotions, that's great. No problem with that. And I think that's really great. I'm a very emotional person. I just don't throw it on my wife. Uh, Then what I'm doing is using it as a tool to intimidate or to get what I want or to excuse myself to get love. So when you use negative emotions to get love, you're creating an unconscious pathway to continue using negative emotions to get what you want. And now you're basically a monkey you know, or a child crying out to get attention and food. You want to get out of that lower brain into the higher brain, which uses empathy, affection, cooperation, love, trust, appreciation, asking for what you want, uh, sacrifice uh, that, that you feel proud of, not like resentful type sacrifice. You know, these are, the, these are the qualities that we want to develop in our brain, and you can get that by talking to other men, and you can get that by talking to women as well. But it's when we get into this negative space where we're blaming our partners, that is not productive at all.
1: Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Um, One last question. Well, I asked my community if you, if what they wanted to ask you, one thing that was reoccurring was, do you, do you have any recommendations for the many who are searching for their soulmate or their partner?
0: You know, uh, so, so certainly, you know, first of all, you have to have skills to, to find your soulmate. I wrote that in a book called uh, Mars, Venus on a Date, Five Stages of, of Finding Your Soulmate. Uh, you, you have to truly uh, take time like a flower has to open before you can know if you're with the right person who's your soulmate. And if you find out they're the wrong person, you end the relationship with love. But now you've developed a part of you that more, can more clearly discern the right person for you you know, to know what's good for you. Sometimes you have to eat what's bad for you without punishing or blaming, but realize, okay, I love that person, but they're not the right person for me. That actually is sharpening your discernment. But to be able to open your heart with somebody, you go through stages. You could be with the right person, for example, and not know you're with the right person. You can be with the wrong person and think you're with the right person. So you have to have relationship skills and bonding skills in order to Truly open yourself up to know when you're with the right person, because often people say, how do you know, you know, when you've gone through the stages, the stages are first there's a certain attraction, you feel the second one is you go through doubts and uncertainty. The third one is you make a commitment. If you make it through that, then you feel safe and you become deeply intimate. And you're able to discover new parts of who you are when you're with them, as well as your own resistances to intimacy and openness and you use your relationship to overcome that then you get a clarity and and overcoming the issues inside of you to be fully intimate then you can know oh yeah this is the one for me but some people think just because you're feeling that attraction in the beginning they're the one for you uh and so then you get married or you get together then all your uncertainties come up uncertainty follows certainty you have to go back and forth for a while then you make commitment commitment creates safety it brings up your issues once you bring up your issues Is this the right person you can work through things with? Then you can work through things and you realize this is my soulmate. They bring out the best in me. They also bring out the worst in me for me to look at. And I have the support to look at that and let it go. If I have the right knowledge. So a soulmate relationship requires new skills in order to provide a higher level of emotional fulfillment than a rolemate relationship where you're basically looking for a partner who will pay the bills or have sex with and raise your kids, you know, these basic survival security type needs As a we have different roles and you soulmate is where you go higher than that you experience a deeper level of intimacy and love and you have to build up to be able to experience that part of yourself so ultimately it's the cliche love yourself and you'll find the world the person that you can your soulmate will appear or they will be attracted to you or you'll be attracted to them but it's not until you're open to authentically who you are
1: yep Start with yourself, and that's the recurring theme and what we we're talking about at the beginning with the spiritual work and establish yourself and then go perform action and outlet. John, thanks so much. Um, you are one of the most success- You or well, you are the most successful author in terms of relationships, and I'd say, like, in, in all books, right? You'd, you'd be pretty high up there. What What's one of your, I guess, personal overall favorite books? What comes to mind? Of course, there's so many different ways you can look at it. But, yeah, what well, comes to well
0: you know, we talked a lot about spirituality today. You know, it was always um, autobiography. Yogi was my favorite <laughs> when I was young. That sort of set me on my my path. It, it's a little bit like Marvel comics and spirituality combined. So that was uh, fun. Um, <clears throat> uh, recently, more recently, you know, my my interest in gender uh, understanding. It's it's a uh, Warren Farrell has written a book, Why Men Are the Way They Are. Uh, brilliant book on understanding masculinity and that's very very important uh, very important information highly controversial book but very very important Uh, he tackles more difficult subjects than me because he you have to like a professor going more deeply into the subject of masculinity and how it's being misunderstood and I respect that a lot
1: awesome well excited to read that Okay, beautiful. Thanks so much, Sean. Um, is there anything else you want to leave the audience? No, with? I
0: think that's really good. I just you know, and throwing putting all this together, uh, you know, spirituality is a wonderful journey, and many people use their spirituality to avoid their intimacy, and uh, not it's not wrong, but intimacy is waiting for you to bring that light into the world so that you can find your mission and purpose, uh, because simply to seek enlightenment is quite self centered. but you know if you're hungry you need to think about how do I get my food and we all have a a various innate born desires for our enlightenment and our fulfillment Uh, but really it's all about dipping into our authentic self to bring it out into the world and test it and be of service and I hope that my ideas have been of service to some today
1: what a man a really prolific legend in the field of relationships So, thanks so much. As I promised, I'm going to just share with you a few more things about sexual conduct, known as brahmacharya in Ayurveda. One of the three pillars of health in Ayurveda. The three are, first, ahara, food. Second, nidra, sleep. And third, brahmacharya, which is commonly misunderstood to think it means celibacy or sexual conduct, but it actually means brahmacharya. Brahma means creation. Charya means regime, the regime of creation, and that which does also involve sex and creating a human being through reproductive activities. So within that, it's got a lot of information. And I'm going to tell you some of the teachings from Ashtanga Sangraha of Vagabhata, one of the three Mahatriyas, one of the three great texts according to Ayurveda. And it says how often to indulge into sex. As John spoke about, he kind of goes according to a Japanese study of for a man to ejaculate once a week in terms of optimal testosterone levels. I like that as well. But depending it depends on the person, as Ayurveda says, it depends on the you know, the the humans. How healthy are they? What are their age? What is their their quality of Ojas, their reproductive essence, their immunity, all those things that and what are they, what is their body type? You know, some individuals have stronger libido. Some individuals have stronger desire, strong, not get weakened by these people. We typically refer to the kapha body types, but also to consider the season. So it said in the spring, you can have more. It's said specifically once in two days. In the summer and the rainy season, when it's more hot, our energy is weaker. In the winter we are stronger. The summer is in the summer, and thus, because especially when you ejaculate during the sex, that's primarily what it means, it will lose some of that vital essence. So it's it's advised in the summertime, and this is hot Indian summers, once a fortnight. And in the winter and the cold season, it said, a strong man may indulge in it as many times as he desires. And also I will add, a strong woman as well. So you know, then it goes into how to optimize the aphrodisiacs to take, not just herbal aphrodisiacs, but the foods, the actions to do replenishing after in-course, but all those. But we should also consider age and all these factors. So that's just one thing from the Shastras from the classical text of the amounts according to the seasons, which I wanted to share with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, first of all, mate, you wait till you check out the other episodes. There's some really good stuff. Oh my God. Next week, next fortnight, rather, we got one coming up all about thyroid health with Dr. Marion Tilton Subscribe to Be In The Loop. Um, Remember, support this show if you enjoy it. So please, you know, leave a review, share with your friends, especially those who could do with this knowledge and need this. So once again, I really hope we could speak to everyone and this is for all gender identities and all relationships, although typically it can seem black and white but within that and really the essence of consciousness and spirituality is that uh boundless states of physiology of hormones but of course as we get more relative from the transcendental field it does manifest so we need to honor that as well and, and having a balance with that depending on whatever's right for you whatever is your own experience and i hope you enjoyed this much love you. see you next time